here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, to episode number 14 of the Brit Rest Roundtable. Uh, this week, we are missing uh, Rob Reed, who is... I actually don't know what he's doing, uh, but he's not here. I heard he's running a bath. <laughs> <laughs> Marvellous. Um, so with, with me this evening are Ollie Court. Hello. Ooh, um, everyone in their bath, hi. <laughs> uh, we'll have to get to that in a minute. And uh, Alan Coonahan. Hello, I've already broken the podcast rule by like being uh, making my first appearance on a show and just like starting talking before I've been introduced. So I'm <laughs> I'm a very rude house guest, as you'll come to find. But we're going to annoy Rob this week and just break all the rules. Um, he hasn't given us like a little run sheet, which he normally does. So uh, we're already kind of going to be all over the place, but uh, it's going to be fun. Uh, as as I said uh, at the start, though, we're going to be talking about WXW. Um, who recently ran the 16-carat uh, gold tournament uh, over in Oberhausen uh, in Germany. The, the technical um, term is lovely Oberhausen. <laughs> lovely Oberhausen. <laughs> and if you saw it, you'd know how untrue that is. <laughs> I, I can't say I've ever had the pleasure. What, what is Oberhausen like? It's the most industrial, just... Well, there is actually like this one area which is like really nice. They've got this huge, massive shopping mall. It's one of the biggest shopping malls in Europe, and there's lo- loads of cool things to do in around there. And then literally everywhere else is just this industrial wasteland where I'm sure important things are created, but it just looks awful. It looks nice from inside the building. Yes, it does. It does. I, I I'm a, I've come to be a huge fan of Overhausen. But like when you first, every time I've been walking into 16 Carat with someone who's making their first trip there, and they're just like, "Is is this where the show actually is?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Hey, don't don't worry, just just walk through all this broken glass and gravel here, <laughs> and we'll be in the second. You no need to worry." I guess we should probably explain for uh, those who aren't aware. Uh, Alan is one of the uh, English commentators for WXW. Along with Jeremy, whose surname no one can remember. <laughs> Jeremy Graves. Graves, Jeremy Graves. There we go. Same as Corey, I should know that. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, so Alan's our uh, inside scoops guy um, for WXW. Um, seeing as 
both of us have... Uh, have you been, Holly? I've never been, no. Uh, I've had the pleasure. Going to Germany in two weeks, but not to WXW. Unfortunately, <laughs> my scoops are kind of crap, like... Which, which Lucha Underground star needed one of the young boys to go to McDonald's to get a milk for his tea? <laughs> was that Shane Strickland? No, no, afraid not. Ah, uh, that's too bad. Yeah, that was the only guess I had, so... Um... <laughs> Alright, before this goes completely off the rails, let's, uh, <laughs> let's go get into... way more off the rails than that, <laughs> <laughs> let's, You're, you're going to regret getting me on here, ruining this show. <laughs> um... So night one was like the, uh, well, the introduction to the tournament, all the first round matches. Um, what really stood out uh, for you two in terms of like what was the best match on the first night? I mean, I know what my answer is. So, uh, well, there's two potential first answers. Um, the first match of the tournament, Big Daddy Volta versus Zack Sabre Jr., was a really fantastic uh, match with like a lot, a very sensible match. Like, in the way it was worked, everything made a lot of sense. Like, Volta used his big size. Sabre Jr. used his size to his advantage after being, like, outmatched early on. Like, he then sort of turned almost into a luchador and had to use lots of flying maneuvers, like arm drags and stuff, to throw Volta off balance and eventually just schooling him with um, the technical ability to win the match. Um... But probably the match that got the most buzz and was probably the most memorable match, maybe even the whole weekend, was Will Ospreay versus Shane Strickland, which was so awesome that uh, <laughs> it sounded like Alan's mic broke at the end, like he almost jumped out of his chair, and how amazing it <laughs> Alan, was. <laughs> Alan remained very still and professional while screaming <laughs> at the microphone, causing that, calling that maneuver. Jeremy, however, all seven foot of the bastard, he decided to <laughs> do a big jump as he as uh, as I was getting very excited, but maintained a still disposition. Jeremy did a big uh, a little jump, but for Jeremy, a little jump is a big jump, um, and uh, it just knocked out the um, it just knocked out the connection of the uh, of the thing a, a little bit. And when I started getting uh, messages on Twitter about um, sounding like something crazy or whatever. I was like, okay, well, what I thought had happened was they got us to, because um, I said it to the tech guy afterwards, that um, as soon as Jeremy uh, jumped, I started hearing crackling in my ear. So I figured, okay, that's not going to come true right on the um, on the commentary. So I was like, okay, I'll say it to the tech guy. You might want to just take that bit out or whatever. And he says to me, can you recreate it? I was like, sure, I could recreate it. So during the intermission, I'm just standing up there in the balcony like a dope going, Osprey with the with the Raymaker into a C4 <laughs> and now to the top, 6.30. But maybe I just didn't like time it right. I didn't leave enough room between like the Spanish fly deal and the, uh, and the 6.30. So they didn't use that. So it was actually the original that was kept in with the, uh, just, I guess, the connection going... Um, when it, when it got disconnected a little bit for that, um, we did also uh, lose the whole Ilya Dragunov Mike Bailey match, which I got to do with um, Rico Bushido, the shotgun English host. We each did a match at Rico on night one. Uh, Jeremy's came out fine, mine didn't, and that was like the match before Strickland Osprey. So we were we were already kind of conscious about the the connection thing. So um, I had to do that whole Bailey match again at the end of night three, looking into a camera lens on a video camera. <laughs> oh, man. I was surprised how well it came out. I was very impressed with it um, because that match was on an episode of Shotgun two weeks ago, 
And uh, I was like, yeah, they did a really good job. Kind of, you, <laughs> you, you notice it more watching night one as a whole when it goes from the other matches to that. You notice the difference. But when it was just on six on shotgun, I was like, hey, it sounds pretty good. So, uh, so yeah, <laughs> so, uh, I was going to go uh, Osprey Strickland. They actually put that on YouTube. Uh, for oh, anyone who's they, watching they the did not. <laughs> they oh, they are they trying not? to get it down off YouTube. Oh, I thought it was uh, like an official upload. No, no, no. Yeah, they, <laughs> this uh, confused Rob because uh, he mistakenly thought they had put it up uh, and had a little smack on the wrist <laughs> because of that. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I, I read it off uh, off Rob's tweet. So, um, like, I saw that it was on there and was like, whoa. That's a, that's a pretty big match to be given away. Yeah, and, uh... I, I, I doubt they were too happy. And I checked there a couple of hours ago. It was still up there. So obviously oh, really? these things take a bit of time to... Um, uh, to uh, got to get that down. Yeah. It's worth it's worth the price of admission alone, that match. <laughs> yeah. Well, unfortunately, I saw like um, the shows like as a whole were kind of doing the rounds in a lot of places, which on one hand I'm happy about because I'm like, hey, loads of people will be seeing WXW and getting exposure. But on the other hand, it's like, I know how much work went into these, and I just, I, I really like hope people will. And if you're listening to this and you're thinking about getting the shows, do support this product because so much work and effort was put into it. And really, more than like when it's like PWG or whatever, I'm like, and people are downloading it or doing whatever with it. It's like, it's whatever because I know PWG could be quite inconvenient in this day and age for people to get, and everyone has their different circumstances and reasons and. Well, I think it's generally because it takes them about six months to ship the DVDs. Exactly, out, but, uh, it's yeah. it's yeah. So there's like reason there, but with this, like it could not be, it could not be any nicer of a service. It's it's reasonably priced, and you can choose to download in various quantities. Like you've got have you can have optimal quality, or if you can't um, spare the gigabytes, you can take a lower quality download, or you can stream it if you have a smart TV. Um, there's a Vimeo app. You can just watch it straight on your TV. It's really convenient. There's really no excuse. It's only a couple of bucks. I, I think people should support this. But I, I know like I was seeing a lot of talk about 16 Carat in my timeline in the last week. And I know like a great percentage of that wouldn't have been there if it wasn't for the fact that it had been doing the rounds illegally. So I was happy to see it getting the coverage and people hearing about how good some of this stuff was. But at the same time, I very much hope people do decide to support WXW with this and, and going forward and and when they do keep producing good stuff like this that they, they get rewarded for it but uh yeah I think I think they're going to do pretty well with these DVDs and the uh, and the streams the DVDs are made they make the DVDs available through much media as well so it's uh it's um all that cover really all the bases for whatever people might want well there was a WXW DVD came out and um uh, WrestleCrate last month. Oh yeah, uh, it was one of one of the ones from uh, the end of last year. So that's a, a pretty swift turnaround in terms of uh, of the DVD getting into a, into WrestleCrate. That, that was pretty cool. Yeah, they, they they get the DVDs out very quickly. The um, the guys at Much Media are pretty uh, pretty good about that. So it's definitely better than PWG's uh, <laughs> turnover on Bowler. Have you still have you still not seen Bowler yet, Ollie? Uh, I don't think so, no. Ollie and Joe Lanza are never watching Bolo. We just have to accept that. Yeah. <laughs> it's just you get to the end of the year and it's like, ah, the year's over now. It's <laughs> I want to see 2016 still. Which is what we're doing. Um, um, I suppose my, for me, uh, you guys mentioned two matches there, but uh, to, to me, honestly, the most memorable match of the night was 
the main event, uh, Axel Dieter Jr. and Marty Skrull. These two have been embroiled in a feud for a long time, basically dating back to last year's 16 Carat, when uh, Axel beat Marty. And here they it was really the culmination of the feud in an I Quit match with the stipulation that if Axel quit, uh, his tag team with the Mac, which is a tag team that they've established hot and spicy as being like super, clo- super close to uh, to both those guys' hearts. And uh, it's a very important thing to them, even though Axel is kind of going off as a single star, his tag team is still very important. So he was like, I'd die before I'd have this tag team split up. And if Axel won, Marty would have to basically leave him alone. So um, uh it was an incredibly violent match. It was, as far as like kind of that uncomfortable level of violence and just feeling like things were getting a bit too much. The only thing I can, I can think of that I've experienced live close to it was Brian Danielson and Nigel McGuinness in two thousand six in Liverpool. And to be honest, even with that, that was like, a unified, wasn't unified, it? Unified, yeah. With, with that, like I was early twenties, like I was Ali's age, but a lot dumber than Ali, and uh, I. Uh, <laughs> I was just like, I didn't even really think about the repercussions as I was watching it. But like over the years, as you go back, it's like you kind of see where that was kind of maybe a little too much. And there were times in this match where I thought it was a little too much. And when I saw Axel backstage afterwards and just saw the welts and everything, it was like, oh, Jesus. But uh, like Mm. I haven't watched it back yet. I've only got to see a little bit of stuff back on the VOD. But um. I hope I didn't go too overboard on commentary. It was kind of one of those things I had, I had never really called a match with that level of drama and emotion in it before. So I kind of was, it, it took, it caught me off guard a little bit. I wasn't expecting it to be as crazy as it was. And I was trying to convey the emotion of it, but at the same time, I may have kind of gone overboard and just been a bit over the top with it. It, it definitely came off really well on uh, VOD. Uh, it probably, was more dramatic and more emotional live just because like you didn't really know where it was going to go like you say um like how vicious was marty's attack gonna get yeah uh but i thought marty was gonna win as well so i was like waiting to see what would be like the killer thing he was finally gonna do to him uh data junior pre uh, tournament we were both kind of le- leaning towards him as possibly winning the whole thing so we kind of thought he'd, he'd win first night marty marty was actually my pick to uh to win uh, i was very wrong he was used in a very different way throughout the weekend i thought marty really did well here with like his promo throughout the match and like keeping that character consistent it was almost like um a james bond villain like <laughs> in casino royale where he's like, taunting bond throughout um, um, <laughs> it it did come across very well, and it did it did get pretty violent uh towards the end, and the emotion that both guys were carrying through really came across well. Axel Dieter Jr. has like amazing facial expressions, uh, like him shouting nine over and over again, like it, the emotion really came through. The thing with him is he is legitimately super emotional, like he's and like things like um, it's going to be interesting to see, and we're going to bring this up as a topic. The mixed crowd reaction the Cena Tanahashi um kind of a deal that he's getting now from the crowd um he will like really take that to heart and there was a few over the course of the weekend there was a few like glares he gave to the crowd that were like in the direction of the fans that were booing him that were like you could tell he was like 
just resenting them for that. <laughs> but there was other like moments which I found even more powerful where the fans that were cheering him and there were still a lot cheering him and that had signs up for him and they would try and overpower the ones booing and he like would look towards them and just slap his heart and it was like like knowing this guy a little bit I know that was like totally legit and that means the world to him that there's people st- sticking with him and like he he would be getting a little broken up about this but I can tell you for a fact the company love it they they thought it was just the most amazing thing ever. They were a little caught off by it. I don't think they were expecting it. Um, and the way it sort of played through the weekend, like if it was just one show, it might have just been one show and it might have not really gathered momentum. But the fact that it was three nights back to back, when it kind of crept in on the first match, then the second night you had all these same fans that wanted to increase it and make it even more of a deal. And then by the third night, it was just full blown. So um, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see how it develops, but I think the company are very excited about having a John Cena, essentially. I'd definitely say it was almost the story of um, the tournament as it progressed. Like you say, it went over night to night to night and almost expanded as it grew. Um, and I, I would say Dita Jr. was almost playing up to it in just the way he wrestled, especially in the Galloway match. I thought like he was almost playing up to that and... Like you say, feeding off the people who were supporting him and maybe the people who weren't supporting him as well. And it created a really like fun dynamic and like gave extra intensity to his matches. So I can see why uh, the company like it, because it makes Dita Jr. matches, if it continues, mean even more than they already do. What did you guys think um, of the Ilya Dragunov match at the quarterfinal on night two? How did that heat come across on the VOD? Because live, that was unbelievably insane <laughs> but, that but... was very good yeah the, the, um, <laughs> it's just the way they when they just started slapping each other it, it felt legitimate you know it just it just felt like a real good old-fashioned fight like they, they didn't really like each other and the crowd were just all over it and uh, yeah i loved it yeah it's they've had a dynamic because cerberus at uh, Ilya's faction that he's in and the baby faces essentially have had a feud going on for a long while now. And it's like the matches, even in the sort of non sort of street fight matches where it's just like a trios match or whatever, like it will be structured. And there might be a little bit of brawling here and there, but whenever Axel and Ilya get in, it's like those two against each other, they just go at each other like cats and dogs. It's they just they're wild whenever they're against each other it's, it's intense yeah they kind of have their own dynamic within all those tag matches that's that's really awesome and it was cool mm. to see them go one-on-one at, at carrot and axel win and it was Ilya's first loss in a one-on-one match um i think ever in wxw which is crazy because he essentially came in as a rookie and has just been uh, he, he missed a year with a, a fractured skull and uh he just come back and he's just been this unstoppable killing machine. He's not like he's this huge big guy like Rusev. I think when people hear about like this Russian Ilya Dragunov, unbeaten <laughs> Russian machine, if they saw like him, Ivan Drago, yeah, don't if you saw <laughs> if you saw him, he has put on a good bit of size. But if you saw him, like he's got a very young boyish kind of look about him. Um, but it's just the way he wrestles and the way he fires up in his matches and the looks he gets on his face. You talk about a guy with good facial expressions. Ilya Dragunov, my God. 
Um, he's got those crazy eyes as well. Yeah, he, oh, <laughs> like I was trying to have a serious conversation with him backstage afterwards, and he still had his freaky contact lenses in, and just with one eye, and like I, I, I was throwing me all off. I couldn't, and like I was telling him like because but previously with, with Ilya, he's just crazy backstage, and I just don't go anywhere near him because he freaks me out when he's like headbutting the wall and shit. And uh, but um, he was really like nice and jovial all weekend to Carrot. So, like I was talking to him after one of the matches, and I was just telling him how awesome I thought it was, and how like I just thought he did really well. And he was just kept saying thank you over and over, and was like bowing to me and all this, and like was asking me what I thought about this thing or that thing. And I was like trying to like hold the conversation, but all I saw was this crazy contact lens eye staring me in the face. I was like, oh, this is freaky. <laughs> I find that's really difficult to respond to is when uh, you've just seen a match and the wrestler comes over and says, oh, what did you think of it? Yeah, well, I went... It's uh, so I went... <laughs> hard to... Because you don't want to critique it because if they're asking you what you thought of it, then they thought it was good. Yeah, I... There's a... Even if it was good, it's, it's putting it into words is, is very difficult. There's a few guys that I've kind of established a bit of a relationship with that will that will ask me kind of what I thought of this or that. Um uh, like Marty would be someone that whenever he saw me over the weekend, he kind of asked me what I thought about this or that. Um, but uh, um, with like Ilya or a lot of other people, like I generally am the one like whenever because I'd be doing constant trips backstage during the show to fill up water bottles um, to keep the old voice lubricated. And like I just see different guys after matches, and like I'm I'm such a mark, I'm not able to help myself just like uh-huh. going up and being like, oh my god, that was the best. And I get so excited at wrestling shows, I'm like just ridiculously over the top. And yeah, I tell everyone they've had the match of the year like five <laughs> times a weekend. It's it's a bit it's a bit ridiculous. I remember I remember one year um, at Carrot, um, just like saying to. I don't know if I was saying it to Ricochet or I was saying it to someone else beside Ricochet. I was like, oh my god, that was the match of the year. Ricochet was like, dude, it's March. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> yeah, I know no wrestlers. Uh, <laughs> Dolly and Black wish me happy birthday, though, so that's <laughs> the closest I am to any wrestler. <laughs> I saw Dahlia Black for the first time the other day. She was awesome, and I'm hoping she is going to be on the next OTT show because... Ginny has a tag team partner for the next OTT, so I'm hoping it's Dahlia uh, You should. That's another reason you should come to a uh, um, sixteen carat uh, Ollie. It's very, um, very interactive between all the fans and all the wrestlers. Yeah, like I guess you could uh, talk about that, like the sixteen carat experience, because I know there's like a whole weekend surrounding it. It's almost like their WrestleMania. Yeah. You got the ambition show as well. And just all sorts of stuff. So, <laughs> why don't you tell us a bit about that? Well, yeah, that's um, uh, that's definitely one of the big things about it, and what kind of got me going every year as a fan. One of the big draws for me was all the different things they did, like from Q and As to after parties, even the soccer match, which was actually gone this <laughs> fans versus wrestlers soccer match, which was um gone this year. It may come back, I don't know, but uh. Um, it's featured such things like Ricky Marvin uh, giving a fan a hurricanrana, super crazy drop kick, <laughs> super crazy drop kicking a fan, Big Daddy Walter power bombing fans. Uh, tends to always be this guy Marcus uh, that I know. He seems to always be the one on the um, bad end of it. But uh, um, yeah, it's uh, uh, a lot of different things they do. There was like a little, almost like a WWE fan access style um, thing this year where they set up. Uh, the Q and A's and all the stuff that was going on on the Sunday, they set it up 
in the arena with the ring. So they hosted a bunch of things in the ring and stuff like this. Fans got to come into the ring for different things. They did a quiz. I even got to go into the ring at one point, my first time ever in a wrestling ring. I was shitting myself over, like, crotching myself on the ropes trying to get in. I was like, Jeremy, just like, again, Jeremy is seven foot. I was like, Jeremy, just, like, lift me up, like... Um, who was it? There was some like ballet that used to just kind of get lifted up into the ring. I just wanted him to just lift me like that and just place me <laughs> delicately into the ring. But um, yeah, it's they do all kinds of cool stuff, and it's a it's a really awesome experience for the fans um, all weekend long. It's it's one of those things that if you uh, have other things you want to do over the course of the weekend that aren't to do with WXW, you you'll find very little windows to slot them in in because <laughs> there's like so much stuff officially organized and pretty much everything comes under the umbrella of what you pay for your tickets so um there's really no extra charges or anything like that is that uh the building only holds like what 750 800 by that oh there's all these different areas and rooms in the complex the the, uh, the turbulent hava complex where they the shows are located so there's a bunch of different places there's one where they'll run a lot of shows like if you watch the tag league from last year uh that area holds i think 600 max um they'll do a lot of shows there and then different depending on what setups and stuff they do ramps and entrances and all this yeah they can um the the setup they had for carrot this year they were able to get in like 750 i think was probably the max and that's what you there was 750 in there on the saturday and there was really not that much room to like walk to the bar or move around or go to the bathroom or anything so um um yeah i was i was very thankful for the uh, uh bathroom in the balcony uh that only like people up on the balcony were able to use so <laughs> it because it, it, anytime like as i said that i had to walk downstairs to go get water um from backstage like just trying to get through was just taking forever just trying to get through people at one point sammy callahan was walking back from his merch um and i was just walking behind him and he was just like a bulldozer and he was just plowing a hole through all the fans. <laughs> and I was just like, I'm just going to go behind you here and just like let you carve a path. And he was like, I don't give a fuck. I'll just walk over them all. And I was like, <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that'll do nicely. So. That's how he wrestles as well. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Sammy is all go. He's like Energizer Bunny as a, as a wrestler. Um, before we move on to night two, uh, there's one thing I got we got to address in night one, and that was um, a rather infamous move. But I don't. I'm not going to call a headbutt because it wasn't on the head. <laughs> well, I guess it was a headbutt, but it wasn't to another man's head. But Timmy Thatcher's uh, shoulder butt <laughs> on Sasakiel. Uh Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 He's going to find you, Ollie. You know. This, <laughs> What, what's the controversy around this? Oh, I, I tweeted. Was it you guys discussing it? I tweeted that um something a couple of days ago about how I wouldn't like to take a Timothy Thatcher headbutt to the chest. I, I, I haven't watched the VOD oh, yeah. yet. Does he, does he hit the shoulder? From my vantage point up in the balcony, it looked like he just kind of clobbered him in the chest. I, I know um, a lot of his... Because he does that move a lot now, and he usually hits people around the chest collarbone area, right? Yeah. On my Twitter, I posted, like, a, a screen grab. I know wrestling screen grabs can often look a bit ridiculous, but it's like, Thatcher just kind of, like, looks like he's drunkenly leaning on Keel, and then Keel falls over. I don't know. <laughs> I, I will say that I did enjoy the Thatcher-Callahan match, because there was some actual, like, emotion going on in it, 
and like they actually felt like a struggle. I but... thought that match was incredible. <laughs> that was one of my matches of the weekend. I, uh, I honestly, I aside from the Chris Hero match at Mania weekend last year, it was my favorite Timothy Thatcher match. I'm probably it's my favorite, my probably my favorite Sammy match ever. Callahan was so stiff in that match, like ridiculous. I, I actually found it a little bit uncomfortable, and then I'm like really into like that style, like, like Ishii and all that business. Uh, but the the amount of times that he, he kicked Thatcher in the head mm. um, with him not ridiculous. seeing it coming, it was just like, uh, ooh, I was starting to feel the, uh, the the pain of the situation. Sammy was like that all weekend. Poor Kim Ray. Oh my god. Oh. I saw Kim Ray the next day, and I was just like, "Are you okay?" He was just kind of all glassy eyed, and he was like, "Yes, yes, I'm, I'm fine." It was a tough match. And he had this big black eye, and I was like, "Oh." <laughs> Uh, Kim, I, I'll give a shout out to Kim Ray as well. He was fantastic in match. I thought like he got busted open almost immediately, and then like his crazy hair and just like the intensity with which he wrestled, like he really showed up in that match. Yeah, he was, that was really a really hoping, good job from him. He was really hoping that like taking that beating would kind of get him a bit more respect from the fans and stuff. And um, I know credit to Sammy during the Q and A. Um, he was on the same panel as Kim Ray and like. It was with like loads of the international guys. So they were all getting all the questions, and Kim was just kind of sitting there. And then Sammy stopped in the middle of the Q and A and just said, "Hey, someone's got to ask Kim Ray a, a question." So he's putting him over and calling him like toughest guy. And he just went to war with him last night. And people gave Kim a big round of applause after that. So that was kind of cool of Sammy. Um, the uh, on the Thatcher match, uh, just uh, one little uh, since I, I am good for the uh, I guess on the. On this show, I can provide a few extra little scoops. Um, <laughs> backstage uh, in the afternoon, um, like the, the, you see, because they had a ring set up backstage as well, so there'd be a lot of the wrestlers kind of going through their matches and stuff like that. And I saw, oh, that's uh, clever. I, I kept seeing um, uh, Sammy um, with different people, and because I, I didn't really know who the, the quarterfinals were, I tried to kind of avoid um, knowing how the tournament was going to progress, which I actually did a really good job of. Um, but I, I saw different people kind of working out. I kept seeing Sammy with all different people. I was like, how is Sammy, like, he's he, he's in the quarterfinals, so he should just be in one singles match tonight. <laughs> so I was a bit confused. And then I just realized he was kind of helping out all the other matches. And I was like, what about Sammy's own match? And then I saw Tim, Tim Thatcher just sitting on a couch, eyes closed, kind of just chilling, feet up. And uh, I sat down beside him, and I was like, so... Who, who have you got tonight, buddy? And he was like, Mr. Callahan. And I was like, oh. And it was like, oh. everyone else seems to be, I was like joking about it. Like everyone's like going through their matches. It was like, you're, t- you're taking it easy. And he was like, ah, I like to just figure it out when we're there. <laughs> 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 he was just so nonplussed about it. Just the idea of Timothy Thatcher. Just, no, no, no planning of matches. Let's just figure it out out there. And, so, and you kind he of does. Get, you get that vibe with his matches that they are kind of just make it up as you go kind of thing he has a hell of a scary face so i i will say that i did enjoy his sammy callahan match so that he doesn't uh come and kill me one day <laughs> I, I think he probably will anyway because you bad <laughs> him for like like four or five shows it, it's never intentional it just kind of kind of happens don't worry ali he is the type that he would thank you for investing your time in watching his stuff and he would apologize for his stuff not being up to your liking. Oh, 
<laughs> if he apologizes, I'll just feel bad. Oh, you, you would. <laughs> I'd, I'd rather he beat me up. I'll be, I'll be honest. If you even talk to this guy for five seconds, you'd feel bad for ever criticizing him because he's the <laughs> nicest man. He, he, like. He, Every time he's ever seen me, he's bowed to me as he shook my hand. Wow. And every time he's he's ever seen me when I've been with my girlfriend, he's taken his hat off to greet her. <laughs> he, does wow. that to, he does that to any woman he sees. He and he's, he's just he is the biggest gentleman you'll ever meet in your he's so nice. I can't put the guy over enough. Timmy the gent. I, I was like I, I, when I first saw him when I arrived on Friday. I was just like, oh my god, you're doing this, this, and Gabe has you booked against this guy. Just go around. And he was like, <laughs> he was kind of no sensitivity. Tell me though, how have you been? And I was like, I've been grand. I don't do anything. Fuck me. <laughs> I don't do anything exciting. <laughs> but he's just genuine like that. Uh, so, Night 2 question. Uh, what was your favourite match from Night 2? You want to go first, Ollie? Uh I'll let you go first this time, Alan. <laughs> I'm going to say... Osprey and Zach, I think. Um, I just thought that was... If you want to take a match and say this is 2016 pro wrestling, state of the art, and show it to someone in a capsule 100 years from now, or show it to someone 20 years ago just to blow their minds, um, this would probably be the match I'd show them because it was state of the art perfection from start to finish, but perfection without ever feeling like super over choreographed like there was a sense of struggle and a sense of a game of one-upsmanship and like it was it was just amazing from start to finish it was only about 11 minutes or so i'd say and uh I got it down as 12 maybe 12, but uh, yeah that's and they just killed it 12 quality minutes 12 quality minutes there was not a second of this which was filler it was just perfect i adored it and the finish oh oh <laughs> so good. Liger Bomb just executed to precision, turned straight into what I call the, the young boy killer. What he does to what he did to like the likes of Gemba and, and uh um Kumano in Noah to beat them whenever he'd have a chance to kind of get a squash match win. Busting that ev- out on... every move beat Kumano. <laughs> yeah. But but busting that out on Will Ospreay and just like really wrenching it in, that was a cool ending for me. Yeah. I, I might actually genuinely say my match of the night was uh, Callahan Thatcher. Uh, like, I thought it was stiff as hell and just, like, very emotional towards the end. Like, they really ramped up the intensity. Uh, Sabre Jr. Osprey, like you say, such, like, a, a time capsule match. Like, you could show that in any context and it would be really good. And, like, that submission, just, like, ridiculous. Um, I feel like they've had better matches in the past, though, so... I'll go with someone else this so, time. So, w- with that, because a few people mentioned comparing it to the Progress uh, Strong Style 16 final, I wasn't wild on that match, so I prefer it to that one. Um, but, uh, like, for me, that, that Progress final felt like both guys were kind of tired and they, they had a long weekend, and then they had to wrestle mm. this long match. Um, and the crowd, the same. I thought the crowd for that final were a little burnt out compared to what they had been earlier that weekend. Um, is there any other matches? I, I'm trying to think, was there any uh, others they've had against each other? I don't think so. I was referring to the progress. Okay. Uh, You're a big fan of that Strong match. Because I know a lot of yeah, people yeah, are. Definitely. I, I'm definitely on an island with not being wild on it. But, uh, um, yeah, I, I preferred this more sort of concise. I'm really interested to see what they do in Evolve next weekend. I think they could have a great one there. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see them 
uh, have like a, a, a match where they're both fresh and they get like 20 minutes. I'd, I'd be quite happy to see that, <laughs> yeah. just to see what happens. Because that, that 12 minutes was absolutely perfect, but um, it, I don't think it's really a truly great match because it was all it all felt like they were, they were trying to rush to get all the, all the stuff in. Even though everything that they executed was, was executed to perfection, it, it all felt a bit too rushed. Yeah. Do you guys, um, more sort of theoretical, overarching question about Zack Sabre Jr., do you feel he's a um, Brian Danielson 25-30 minute epic kind of wrestler yet, or do you think his sweet spot is in that 10-15-16 range? Um, part of me thinks the latter. I've, I've yet to see him um, have a match that felt like one of those Brian Danielson world title matches. I did like the one with the uh, skill from uh, Bowler last year, but the, which was that one, like twenty five. It was very was, odd, very odd really match. Long. But I really enjoyed it. That one was really long, but that was like long segments of kind of doing the British comedy and stuff like that, and the stuff to pop the crowd. Kind of was a bit tongue in cheek at times. Um, I don't know. I just I, like I'm the biggest Zach fan in the world. What he does, he's he's brilliant at. But. Um, I like. I suppose the Roderick matches in involving PWG are probably the closest example of having that long, epic, back and forth main event style match. Maybe the Champa match as well in progress. Um, but other than those, like I, I feel I like Zach best in a in a ten to fifteen minute range. Maybe the reason why I like that Osprey match so much. Mm. I haven't really seen him in any like epic main event length match apart from. The, the progress super strong style match most of his matches are you know 10 to 15 minutes and they just go crazy like it, it would be interesting to see him in that role but he's just never in in the places he's been to never really been in that role i guess now pwg might put him in that role now so it'll be interesting to see how he develops that over the course of the next couple of years. I'm Rev, definitely. Rev Pro as well. I actually forgot oh, yeah, yeah. The, the AJ match. And the AJ match is interesting because I thought the first like three quarters of it were the first three quarters of a long epic. Like They really paced it like a, like a Brian Danielson kind of match. But then I thought the last sort of quarter, the last third of it was uh, it sort of came together a lot quicker than I was expecting it to. The, the finish kind of came a bit out of nowhere. Still an amazing match. I loved it. But um, I was thinking they were going another 10 minutes when the finish happened. The, the thing with Cyber Jr. is I think he's a guy that's good enough that you can build around him. Um, when we're looking at the matches that you have this weekend, for example, he wrestled against an awful lot of different guys, but the standard was always very high. And um, that's that's the when you you aim to build a company around someone, you want someone who can have good matches against a variety of opponents, and that that's what he is. And there aren't many who can who can do that. Yeah, he had four really good, really different matches throughout the course of the weekend with, as you said, very different guys. So, yeah, um, for anyone who doesn't know, Zach did in fact get to the final and win sixteen cars. <laughs> Uh, we'll get we'll get to that soon. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, um, while we're still on night two, I'd like to talk about the title match, uh, the four way with um, Carsten Beck yes. defending against uh, Absolute Andy, uh, Bad Bones, and Jern Simmons. Yes, it had a really good storyline, but I really wasn't into the work. Yeah, I I am curious to see what it's like on VOD because it was definitely very much a playing to the storylines, playing to 
the fans that are invested in the product type match. I wouldn't pick this as a match to show a new fan to sell them on WXW. I would if the um if the entrances were shown in full because these were I don't know how much you got to see on the, the clip. We, we got to get to see Yearn with the dancing. Uh, <laughs> the oh my god! Doing the yeah. <laughs> entrance was incredible. All of them were incredible. Like these are WrestleMania level entrances for these guys, <laughs> and um, the the top people in WXW were just almost in tears watching this. It was like this. Oh my god! We've I can't believe we've managed to put this all together, and this is what our product is now. Like they were really proud of it. Um, the match if you aren't invested in the storylines and the characters it wouldn't really be for you to jump in on and just because compared to some of the other things on the show the match isn't as spectacular it isn't as uh, crisp um, the, the guys in the match like I think Bones is a hell of a wrestler I think Bones is really really good um, the other three guys they aren't at the level in terms of sort of mechanics and, and technical ability as like your Zacks and your Ospreys and your Skirls and all these other guys you saw over the course of the weekend. But they do have well-rounded, established, over-characters within the company. And Simmons is actually amazingly only like two years in. He's a great prospect. Um, but I don't know if he'll ever become like a, um, one of those Osprey Zack type guys just because of, and he would be the first to admit this, that is not what he sees as pro wrestling at all and he doesn't care for that style he doesn't think he is that style he is a uh, character based wrestler he is a look based wrestler he is a sports entertainment guy not a wrestling guy I don't think Jaren Simmons has watched too many Japan, Japan tapes in his lifetime I don't think he watches PWG I think if he did he'd bury it um, <laughs> and he uh, yeah he he is what he is, and what he is is right now what they're pushing as their champion. Because another thing with WXW is they tour and do shows every week around Germany, and they need their champion to be someone who they can put on all these shows in these small towns going around Germany, can work all the shows, you can put them on a poster, they look impressive, etc., etc. Um, you can't put the belt right now on a Tommy End or a Zack Sabre Jr., who would be. A part-time guy. Watch me eat my words now if Zach goes and wins the title when you're in defense against him. But my understanding, and this isn't from talking to them, it's just from me applying what I think is logic, is that they feel the need to have their titles almost like a separate thing from like the guys. Yeah. That's, that is how it came across. Yeah, it it was it definitely felt like it was kind of kept separate. And now that they're touring so much, they need their champion to be someone that's going to be around all the time and they can build storylines around on shotgun and stuff like that and uh, i actually think the storylines have been great and the journey turning on karsten's story has been built over a year and it's really really flowed well and it, a lot of subtle hints thrown in tread shotgun over the the course of that year and um i think it was a, a really well written well done storyline and, and executed very well in the end and uh it was a shame the one downer of that match was that Andy and Bones both got really badly injured, both taken to hospital at the end of the match. Um, so, uh, but yeah, uh, the match had crazy heat. Uh, maybe not like Axel and Ilya, but it had a lot of heat and people were very much behind Karsten at the end. And 
he pretty much turned fully babyface, but at the same time retired at the end as he turned babyface. So, um, yeah, uh, I thought it, it definitely worked for what they were trying to achieve, but it wouldn't be a match I'd recommend to someone who's never seen the company before. Yeah, I, I, I love um, the way uh, the title change came off and just how uh, Ian Simmons usurped Carson Beck, essentially, with Beck apparently retiring. Um, like, obviously, they need, like, a new top heel, and Simmons fits that bill perfectly. Like you said, he has that great look. Um, like, I think... of a singer. <laughs> he is indeed. And I just like the way he took everything from... Carson Beck in that moment, like he took Melanie Gray, he took the title, he took the cape, <laughs> he took the gimmick essentially, um, and he definitely looks ready. He looks fantastic. Like massive is certainly a term that you can apply to him. Um, uh, I'm looking forward to that match with Saber Junior. Uh, it's it's going to be really interesting. I I'd, I'd love to be a fly on the wall of everything that goes into planning that match <laughs> because. You want to talk about two different philosophies of pro wrestling. Um, uh, Zach usually gets to just do his own thing. With, like WXW, they, they have agents um, that will um, help a lot with the matches and kind of be quite hands-on with, with different things about um, the matches and stuff like that, especially with the more storyline-heavy stuff. Um, but Zach, generally, I think they just have enough respect and confidence in him that they just let him do his thing. And... He, uh, I would be very curious to see how that all kind of comes out. I'm sure it will be perfect because you're dealing with with, with professionals who are are um, at the end of the day going to do what the company asks of them, and uh, it's gonna it's gonna go fine. But it's just it's a curious dynamic. It's as I said, two mm-hmm. different philosophies of what pro wrestling is, and uh, I'd be I think they should work it into the match in different ways and. And I, I think it could make for a very interesting match. I know some of that to Zach, he is capable of having that that same level of match with just about anyone. He can tie anyone up in those uh, those grounded uh, holds, and it just depends on how that person reacts to them as to. And Jern may well react. Jern may well react, being like "fuck off" with that stupid shit. I'm going to stall at ringside for ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> he is a um, Chinlock City. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, so, <laughs> yeah, the Ch- Chinlock City. He was not happy when that got put in as his uh, on his Titantron. He got really mad at the production guy because he was like, "Fuck that!" It's like that's the creditor all chanting it, and it's getting me over as a baby face. Fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't like. He doesn't like having anything redeeming about himself that the credit will get behind. I did enjoy that everyone in this match um, looked or acted a bit like Triple H. In various incarnations. <laughs> you know, then you say that, that's... I could definitely see that. <laughs> you got uh, 2000's Triple H in uh, Jan Simmons, uh, current Triple H in Absolute Andy, Carson Beck has sort of been like Reign of Terror Triple H in this title reign, and uh, you can see a little Bones, bit of it in Bad Bones. Bones. Is like, no nonsense, ass kicker, leather jacket and uh, leather jacket and uh, <laughs> yeah. jean, jean vest uh, Triple H. Storming into Ragon's home. <laughs> yeah, he'd need the wig. Yeah, that's true. And with that, uh, should we move on to the third? Uh, one one thing part? from no. uh, Night 2 I want to say. Um, okay. Alan's cool that Melanie Gray looked like Ashley Simpson. Uh, top 10 no, cool no, all no. time. T- Tony, uh, 
Tony Storm looks like Jessica Simpson. <laughs> oh, I got it completely wrong. <laughs> well, she looks like Ashley Simpson, so... Ashley Simpson, is Ashley Simpson Jessica Simpson's sister? Yes. Okay, yeah, I've, I've totally forgotten about her, actually, now that you say it. Um, <laughs> yeah, but Jessica Simpson and Tony Storm are, like, identical twins. I said it to a few people, and people were like, yeah, I guess, kind of. But, like, I'm like, no, not I guess, kind of. They are actually identical twins. Like, it's, it's <laughs> uncanny. And I don't know how I... other people aren't as amazed as this is me. I have no idea what you're talking about right now. 2004 pop. <laughs> yeah, that that did explain that then. Yeah, see, that's, <laughs> where my, that's where my knowledge of, of mainstream like music and stuff ends. Like Jessica Simpson is like that's my wheelhouse, and anything after that, like whatever they're doing now, I have no idea. Wrestling consumed my life around 2005, and I stopped learning uh. anything else. <laughs> um, so now that we're done with. Uh, pop stars from 10 years ago who I don't know. Um, I tried to work it into a world-class reference. I said, uh, she she may look like Jessica Simpson, Simpson, but she hits like... And then I was like, I'm struggling to think of a Simpson who might hit hard. I think there was a guy in world-class back in the day. (laughs) (laughs) It was the worst line on commentary ever, but I just... uh, I was having fun with Rico when he was doing the commentary with me in that match, so, yeah. I'm actually wearing a world-class shirt that, right now. That's why you're the man. So that's <laughs> interesting. Um, so, final night of the tournament. Um, this, Drew Galloway, uh, he had to go back to Scotland um, because he had a match on, on night two. So his quarterfinal actually fell into uh, night three right at the start, and he just hadn't slept at all he just kind of gone and fled to scotland and come back to germany and hadn't slept and uh, he still looks in pretty good nick he's crazy like he's <laughs> he's batshit insane i don't know how he's as fired up as he is all the time like that promo he cut on night two i just i just love how positive he is about pro wrestling and how much he clearly loves pro wrestling and just how much how the length he's willing to go to to do this it's I have so much respect for that guy, and he had the, the effort he put in wrestling these two matches back-to-back after having all that travel and not sleeping and then still being buzzing after the show or all through the show and, and watching other matches and just being excited for things. Like, if that was me, like, if I somehow managed to get myself to have those two matches, like, the first thing I'd do is just fall back and just curl up in a ball and get someone to put a blanket over me or something, but he was just going around watching matches and being psyched up for things and being psyched up for the other wrestlers. And yeah, what a guy. Uh, what a, what a man. <laughs> I, I definitely loved the opening of night three with Galloway uh, going Iron Man. I, <laughs> if he'd won that semifinal, I would have thought he would have like stayed around to try and wrestle the final straight away. <laughs> like he did, he just wrestled in every match. <laughs> he'd have been in the six man on the mixed tag <laughs> <laughs> like right at the beginning with Van Helico like they try and pin each other straight away obviously because they have two more matches to face I, I really like that and just like how sprinty that match was and how like Galloway was looking for a future shock at every opportunity and hit it and still couldn't win and he was just like aghast yeah um, he busted out that spinning future shock first time I've seen him oh god that. that was crazy yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, then he gets on the mic as post-match Drew Galloway tends to do <laughs> and like again just goes crazy and is like let me face Dita Jr. straight away um, 
and they have a crazy match too. And I feel like that was another match that Dieter Jr. needed to win on his road to the final. Like, being able to beat Galloway, like, fired up Galloway, uh, was, like, definitely a roadblock for him. Uh, I like I like the call that um, Galloway didn't want to lose any momentum, like, because he's, like, an emotional wrestler and, like, runs on momentum, essentially. He <clears throat> didn't want to lose any by going to the back for a match. Like, he was just going straight out again. So, yeah, but, like, the first half an hour of the show was, like, definitely very exciting because, like, you have this crazy Galloway and you don't know what he's going to do. <laughs> and he's just trying to hang in there and I work mean, around his circumstances. Straight into Sabre Jr. and Callahan right after that. Mm-hmm. So it was a hell of a way to start the third night. Yeah, they had they had a hell of a match too. Um, another that was a match that was really good, reminiscent of some of the other matches. It was like kind of the stuff you'd seen Zach do in his matches, the stuff you'd seen Sammy do in his matches merged together, and it was like yeah, that that worked really well. Um, uh, what I kind of wanted to bring up from night three uh, was, and this is merging it into something from night two as well. There was a four way on night two and a tag match on night three, which to me were one of the things 16 Carat can offer is when it brings over all these top talents from around the world is just put together some crazy multi-man matches that you wouldn't see anywhere else or that you haven't seen anywhere else and just let guys go wild, particularly it's now tradition that the semi-main event of night three is the, they call it the spot fest tag match and they aren't, <laughs> they aren't, like, I think it's even written up on the board as, like, the spot fest tag match. And uh, they they aren't shy about just letting the guys and encouraging them to, to go wild. And um, it delivered in a huge way this year with Marty and... I, I thought the uh, the four-way uh, match on night two was going to be, like, the, the craziest, spottiest match on, on the weekend. And then this came along uh, yeah there uh, were similarities and so what, bailey and osprey Arno, i mean this was twice as long what was the the two the two lineups for the two matches uh the, the tag team match was skull and trevor lee uh, against mike bailey and will osprey and the four-way was uh skull lee bailey and angelico yeah so it was just angelico subbing in for osprey right and it was, yeah. it was otherwise the same three guys. So they played off a few of the different things. In the tag, Marty and Trevor kind of developed this alliance as the villains. <laughs> yeah. Trevor was trying to mimic Marty's gimmick, and uh, Marty wasn't down with he it. But then, nuts. Then, then he embraced it, and they kind of did the combination villain shake it off kind of a thing, because Trevor Lee's music <laughs> is shake it off by Taylor yeah. Swift. Um, the best thing ever was during Trevor Lee's entrance when he'd be doing the shake it off and he'd just be going wild and then he'd start going around the edges of the ring stomping all the fingers of the fans who were slapping <laughs> just a great heel move but um, uh, the way these guys clicked with the central part of the tag being the continuation of the rivalry of the year of Will Ospreay and Marty Skrull still finding new ways to just blow your mind. I've seen all three of their matches now. In each one, they've done new things that have just made me lose my shit. These two guys, what they're doing right now is special beyond belief. And yeah, I think we're all very fortunate to be able to see it live as it happens. And if you liked their match in Rev Pro, um, you will love what they did here against each other with the added dynamic of Trevor Lee and Speedball being great too. 
on the four-way having Angelico and getting him to do the uh, the crazy dive as if he was in the <laughs> temple. Um, but that was even topped by, I thought, the Trevor Lee running down the ramp. Yeah, Trevor Lee out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> Breaking up a pinfall, wasn't it? Yeah, I was... Is it a pinfall I, or a submission? I wasn't even noticing him. I, I had my eye on the, um, the pin and then I just saw him barreling down the, the, <laughs> the entrance ramp and clearing the top rope into a double stomp to break up the pin and he did the same spot again on night two and it was like even though people are on night three in the tag even though people had seen it the night before there was the moment he did it and the tag was so perfect that you again didn't see it coming and it was after all this other crazy shit it was just amazing that that tag was just mind-blowing and uh yeah you definitely for anyone who's a fan of just crazy athletic matches between the four-way and the tag you definitely got a, a great fill of it here with 16 cards this year uh would you say that was match of the weekend the tag you know I, I i couldn't say for sure until i watch everything back but live i'd probably say yeah by the end it, it, re- it probably was I, I think i had that over uh the osprey strickland match by by a hair those two were, were mm-hmm. very close. I'd I'd go Strickland Osprey over that, but yeah, <laughs> very strong match, crazy match. Uh, I really like the final as well, which um, I can't remember who it was. I read uh, somebody else's review just before I watched it, and they had it at like two and a half stars or something, and I was like, "What the hell? Well, what are you watching me?" <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> is that Ross? <laughs> <laughs> Rob Rob is actually reviewing Night 3 but I haven't seen it yeah, yet Yeah, it's so not I, up I, yet but it's not uh, up yet. it'll be interesting to see what he thinks of it as well probably not two and a half stars <laughs> um, I thought the final was really good it was it was what you often see with finals of tournaments of where they sell that they've just had yeah. this wear out of a weekend and then they're just trying to get the job done as quickly as possible. It's like, there's no messing about it. It's just right into it in the final. And that may be one of the reasons, because I like that so much, that dynamic, that might be one of the reasons I wasn't as wild on that progress final from last year, because it was kind of a longer match. It didn't have that sense of urgency, and it just felt like two guys who were tired, and they were, like, in, in I'm not saying they were actually tired, I, but in story, they were kind of tired, and they weren't, the, the match was just kind of dragging a little bit, whereas this one, it was just like, Zach was looking to finish as early as he could, get this guy beat and win 16 carat. Like, Zach very much had, his story was that he has got so close so many times, and this year he wasn't messing about, and when he got Axel in the final, he owed him one from the semi-final last year, and he was just not messing about. He wanted to finish this quickly and get that trophy, and Axel, on the other hand, was just, riding this wave of moment of emotion and momentum throughout the whole weekend and he had been battered and bruised he also had to wrestle two matches at ambition on the saturday morning uh he had fucking mike bailey um going on taekwondo in a, in a work shoot uh just kicking the shit out of him like literally <laughs> it worked into a shoot i would say so if if the marty match the i quit match would have been at about 10 p.m the night before and this was midday the next day you're talking about like a little over 12 hours later he's all those umbrella shots are getting followed up with just the stiffest kicks from a national competition level taekwondo martial artist it was just the mm. just brutal stuff but uh 
Yeah, he uh, ah, he's a young supple individual. He can he can fire through these weekends. Yeah, I, I felt like the emotion in this match again really strong. The way both guys almost were like trying to like look at each other the entire time throughout the match. Like Saber kept wanting to like stare down Dita Junior even when he was like in a hold of Dita Juniors. I thought that was really intriguing. Because, like, they're working off of last year as well, just like the Skull match. Uh, Sabre Jr. lost to uh, DT Jr. in the semi-final last year, so, like, yeah, they brought it up on commentary again um, that Zack was trying to get revenge for last year because he doesn't like uh, being beaten or having that to deal with, like, as he goes through his career, having guys with wins over them, him. So, uh, I really liked that dynamic, and also just, like, Zack trying to test uh, Axel as well with, like, the, the trading slaps and stuff. Really exciting stuff. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a good end to a, a good weekend. It's the, this is the most WXW I've seen in one chunk, and it's, uh, it's a very enjoyable experience. Um, I just want to make mention of a, a couple of people who I thought were kind of under the radar kind of breakout performers of the weekend that did a really really good job um coincidentally three people who have um been sharing digs together in the uh, wxw dojo for the the better part of the last couple of months um david star tony storm and um tyler bait um mm-hmm. yeah. all absolutely yes all on all three their their last weekend in germany um was carrot weekend uh, David Starr's parents were actually over from um, the US <laughs> for night three, um, seeing him perform. I think that was pretty cool for him. Um, this is uh, the first time I'd seen David Starr, and damn. <laughs> yeah, I thought David He's good. was terrific. He, I he, saw him he a was... couple of years ago, and he, he was nowhere near this good. It's 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 he, like he's, he's had like been, a switch flicked. And... He's only been around, I think, two and a half, three years, so you probably saw him like right at the start. And he is... Um, Someone said it to me over the weekend, and I was like, yes, that is bang on who he is. He's he's Adam Cole, essentially. Kind of comes out of the same area, CZW trainee, and he's just kind of got that total package kind of feel about him. Not like mm. Sluger, um, but just he's <laughs> a really confident, charismatic, can wrestle his ass off, can be a babyface or a heel, um, just has poise and, and aura about him. Um and he did a really good job to tag title match with him. And because uh, he would have been a heel on like all the WXW shows leading up to this over the course of the tour. But I think he just won the respect of the fans. And he just has so much live charisma that the crowd really took to him over Carrot Weekend. And by the end of the weekend, him and Shane Strickland were a big time babyface team. And they got to go for the tag titles against Cerberus in a really good match, which you can actually see for free on Shotgun last week. So, um, uh, yeah, I'd encourage people to check that out if they mm-hmm. haven't bought Carrot. And, uh, and Tony Storm, I thought, incredibly impressive. If she's not in WWE at some point, I will be shocked because she's super talented and she would fit like a glove in their women's division right now with Sasha and, and Bailey and all the likes of them. She's tons of fire and she's a hell of a wrestler to boot. And um, Tyler Bate, uh, I'm sure... <laughs> You guys have, have talked enough great things about Tyler Bate over the last few months. Everyone knows how good this guy is. Um, but I thought he uh, he 
just looked fantastic over the course of the weekend. His singles win over uh, Silas Young. We're not, we're not used to seeing him win. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. But getting a win over Silas Young was a big scalp for him. Yeah. Using a pretty sweet brain buster to do it. That was one heck of an opener on night two. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've got to agree on all three of those. Uh, they all had a, a really great weekend. I think Star wins the undercard King of Carrot award for me. He yeah. is the milk. He is the milk in my coffee. He's, he's, <laughs> he's the milk in your coffee. He's the uh, what's all his? He's got all these nicknames. The Jewish. Can. My wrestler. My favorite wrestler. Favorite wrestler. Favorite wrestler. Favorite wrestler. Favorite wrestler. <laughs> um, the man of uh, or the hundred and four minute man or something like that because he like wrestled a match that was like a minute less than the Trevor Lee match. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's he's pretty cool, dude. And uh, um, oh, yeah, question for you guys. Uh, since you've seen the full VOD, what did you feel about the production compared to other indies and stuff? How did it come across to you uh, watching it? Uh, obviously, it's disappointing that uh, they can't show the entrances in full for whatever reason. Same as PWG, um, really, just not wanting yeah. to mess around with the copyrights. Now, would you I, pre- oh, would you prefer if they just did P- like PWG and just go straight? Oh, I suppose PWG just do show. The guys, yeah, it's basically the guy it. walking out, isn't it? That's, that's yeah, about it. WXW just do it a little more extended. You'll see a bit more of the yeah. walk out with that background music playing, and then they go straight into the match. Um, yeah, like I suppose it, it it might sting a little less if you just cut the entrance out entirely and then you wouldn't be thinking about it as much. But then when you're when they show the little bit of the entrance every time, you're kind of reminded that you're not seeing it. And it doesn't help as well that like you see all the crowd singing and dancing and being so <laughs> happy. And it's like you can see that it's a crazy cool atmosphere. And trust me, it, it is. But um, you, you it's can't... like when they used to dub the uh, the ECW DVDs and when Enter Sandman was on or um, uh, New Jack's music was on, and like it's on for like the whole match. <laughs> and you've just got this boring repetitive thing dubbed yeah. on top of it it's not got to that point but it was kind of a de- detriment to um uh the dance-off because oh, when yes. the when the dance-off was going down there was kind of dubbed music over the top uh, to the point where ollie didn't actually know what they were dancing to because <laughs> uh, they were the crowd was singing all night long afterwards yeah. so i assumed it was rich swan's theme yeah. it's like a an ode to him it's, but it, well, it's, apparently that's not a very oh, there was a clip on um, someone put a clip on youtube from like uh, not youtube twitter uh, from the crowd from that night so i'd seen it at the time so i knew what it was um, well, that's the only way I'd know. All, all night long is very over with the crowd from um, when mm. Swan and Ricochet were over there, and uh, uh, they just kind of wanted to see the dancing go on all night long, essentially. <laughs> but I will direct people to—I won't direct people to the illegal uh, match between Osprey and Strickland that's on YouTube. But I will direct people to the illegal fan cam of the uh, dance-off in full with Osprey and Strickland with the real music in because I doubt WXW care about that being there because um, they didn't put it up there themselves and it's just literally a fan recording a thing so they can't get in trouble for it, I would assume. I don't know the legalities, but yeah, the dance-off is there and you can you can watch it in full on YouTube. And it was good. It was, it was very good. <laughs> but um, aside from the music, like um, the way it's shot video quality all yeah. that kind of stuff do you do i you i noticed um like i only noticed this sort of late on in the weekend but like because of the fact that all the people are standing like right next to the ring which is really cool by the way <laughs> um but like 
the camera angles weren't very dynamic, or like they were only from like one place on the ring, and it it didn't I, really I matter. I actually kind that of much. enjoyed that. It it kind of felt like that was our spot. You know, we we were ringside. That was our yeah. spot. With us. I mean, it's not yeah, like Rev Pro who from. go like in a John oh, Woo film. I know. But... <laughs> I know what you mean. So like the the floor cam, the guy on the floor. Was only oh, yeah, not, not, yeah, not the hard cam, but okay. like the. So I, I'm not a, I'm not an expert in these things, but from what I saw, they had so they had a hard cam that was like at ring level, and then they had a hard cam that was in the balcony pointed down. So they had the two kind of different, and from the few matches I have watched back, I noticed they do kind of flick between the two hard cams, and then they have the the one floor cam as well, which I actually had never noticed that before, but that's a. A good point that um, uh, Short is his name. I'll give him a shout out because he's just the best man in the world. Um, <laughs> he's such a cool, cool guy who helps us so much. But uh, um, he, um, he, uh, yeah, it would be tough for him to maneuver around all those fans with that yeah. heavy camera. And I, yeah, I definitely understand. Yeah, that that would be a thing. But I had never, never thought about that before. I, yeah, it didn't really affect. It. it didn't affect anything. It was just something I noticed. <laughs> I'm not really a big production guy in terms of, uh, which is weird because I have a degree in it. But um, <laughs> <laughs> like when I'm watching a wrestling show, as long as the wrestling is good, I, the rest of it I'm not too bothered about. But I know there are people who who take issue with anything that doesn't reach that sort of HD level. I, I thought it was pretty good, pretty solid production value. The, the stage looked really good as well, especially compared yeah, to yeah, last really year. Good. Like the, the production quality had obviously gone up. I was like such a little kid wanting to press, <laughs> press the buttons up in the control area, which would like change which wrestlers would show up on. They had the two like banners and they had like this screen up on the control area with all the different wrestlers uh, faces and you could push the face and then he'd appear down on the entrance away. Like, oh, I want to push all the buttons and have different wrestlers come up. And, but uh, yeah, no, it was shoot away quickly. Get him away before he breaks something. So you're not allowed in the gorilla position. <laughs> No, no. Okay. Um, uh, I think I'll ask... I have one more question to ask. Uh, sure. Another, like, a scoop thing. But um, just the way the tournament is uh, booked, I guess, is it... Uh, do they know what ma- matches outside of the tournament um, are going to happen on days two and three beforehand? Or is that just uh, made up on the day or the day, day before? Day as in the wrestlers or the guys making the matches uh the matchmakers okay so they would typically have like a skeleton kind of rough idea but they will um they will i know from history they will like kind of tweak things based on maybe different reactions things get things get or like an example would be i don't know if this was the case but i could totally see that say Maybe they weren't planning for David Starr to be using him as a babyface over the weekend, or, and and maybe not having him getting a tag title match at Strickland, but seeing him get over as such a babyface in the Ultimate Four Way on night one, then maybe they're like, let's shuffle things around and move him into this role. I could totally see that being the case with him there. I'm sure there was other things, even if it wasn't that, yeah. that did follow that. But as I said, I try to avoid spoilers um <laughs> over like i was like dodging out on production meetings when i was sh- i should have been at them and stuff like this just because i didn't want to hear things that i didn't want to hear but i kind of told them that in advance i was like yeah i might just go around with my uh, fingers in my ears at times just ignore me um but uh um 
so like I didn't really know like what the plans were on Friday and if they got changed by Sunday, but I'm sure there was some stuff that was shuffled around. And you always mm-hmm. have to kind of be flexible in case there's maybe a guy picks up a knock and he can't do the match that you wanted him to do, and you have to maybe put him into a six man tag or something like that. So there's always stuff like that 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 would need to be kind of juggled. Yeah, you'll have to forgive my um, inqui- inquisitiveness. No, um, I'm, I'm just being saying. such a a young boy, you know, <laughs> young lion. Uh, I don't really know much about what like goes on backstage at wrestling shows. So you know, just taking the opportunity to yeah, it's, it's find out a bit. It's very professional with WXW, and they treat yeah. they treat the wrestlers very well. I can tell you, here's a scoop. I was able to avail of a very very nice chicken curry on the Friday afternoon backstage before the show um, from catering, and uh, uh, yeah, the uh, bananas at the uh, at, at the plentiful. I was able to uh, help myself <laughs> to fruit and little snacks over the course of the weekend. It was um, it was uh, great. It was they um, they've got a they've got a cool little setup, and uh, um, I know all the wrestlers, like Silas Young, people like that who've been around and been in a million different places. Like they were specifically like saying, like, how come I don't always get treated like this? This is amazing, <laughs> type thing. Yeah, it's a very well-run, uh, efficient German operation. <laughs> it's like nothing, nothing else. Yeah. So, uh, how did you come to work for WXW? Um, I well, originally I did a match at Sixteen Carat two thousand eleven when their commentary and really a lot of things were a bit more sort of they were starting to get a bit more kind of organized and stuff at that point but there was still that element from the early years where things were kind of by the seat of the pants and a bit more relaxed and like they'd have different people rotating in and out on commentary and it was wasn't taken as seriously and um i they, the guys knew me from like felix used to post some like czw fans and stuff so he knew me from there and just the different guys I, I had known and just when i first went over as a fan i was just talking to different people and just and they kind of just got to know me and then by 2011 um i just remember it was after the sekimoto generico match i was just freaking out like crazy and it was intermission i was talking to <laughs> i was talking to jacoby who was the comment he's one of the owners and he was doing some of the commentary that day and i was like he was like do you want to come up and do commentary for it was going to be leaders against future shock and uh, i was like oh, no, no, no 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 way no way and then i sat down in my seat and i was like when am I ever going to have the opportunity to do a commentary on a wrestling match again? I'd be, I'd regret this so much. So I went back up, tail between my legs, and I was like, oh, maybe, could I? And uh, they're like, sure. And I, I took Tumtack Jack's spot at the commentary booth. And <laughs> uh, he came back to me when I was sitting there. And he, like, he wasn't at his seat when I, um, when I uh, took over. I didn't even know he had, he had been there. And then we were just about to start the match, and I got a tap on my shoulder, and I saw Tumtack Jack. And I was like, oh, uh he was like, ah, sorry, that's my seat. And I was like, oh, um, I was going to be doing commentary on this match. And he was like, oh, cool. Yeah, gives me a break. <laughs> Phew, he didn't hit me with a light tube. That's good. <laughs> and, um, but, uh, so yeah, there was just that. And then, um, uh, like, I didn't approach them about trying to do anything more after that or anything like that. It was just kind of a one-off thing. That's all I saw it as. And uh, then um, last year, about a month before Carrot, I got a message from them asking them if um, I or them asking me if I'd like to do commentary 
um, they were wanting to do take their commentary more seriously and have an English version. Uh, well, they had actually been taking their German more seriously. They, they had done auditions for um, German announcers maybe a year before that or so, and they have really good German announcers that they use for every show now. Um, and they wanted to have an English option to expand into the English market a bit because Vimeo were very happy with them and, and the numbers they were doing. So Vimeo were like, we want this to expand the reach a little bit. And they said to Vimeo, uh, well, if we could put up a second version of every show with, with English language and Vimeo were all for that. So they were able to fund um, uh, just getting those over and stuff. And uh, um, so they asked me if I'd do it. And originally they were having me do it with Chris Brooks, uh, the English wrestler, who um, he had, he was the first guy they were asked to do it. And they asked him who he'd like to do it. And he put my name forward and they knew of me obviously from just going to the shows and having done that one match so they were like that sounds good and it was going to be me and chris but then chris got a booking uh, that weekend of carrot last year so he pulled out and they asked me who i wanted to do it with and i thought of jeremy i sent them some stuff from jeremy's done um kind of like uh, i sent them a, a youtube video he did interviewing chris jericho on chris jericho's tour bus and uh uh, they were like, oh, we like him. He's professional. He has a lovely English voice, like you two gentlemen. And um, <laughs> they decided to uh, put us together. And yeah, it's been it's been going well. I like to think so far. So um, yeah, I guess I'll be back for for tag league uh, later this year. And I uh, may have a new partner for that one. Jeremy's tied up with work stuff, um, but they have someone in mind. And uh, um, I think maybe there's another one before that they'd like us to come over for i don't think i'll be able but jeremy might so good information <laughs> so that is how you get gigs in wrestling you just become a marking out hardcore get, get fan really excited <laughs> about about Daisuke sekimoto yeah i could do that which is very very <laughs> easy to do yeah. yeah pretty much same same way i got my fighting spirit gig it was just like brian the editor is just like I know Adam. He's just excited and loves wrestling. Gonna have him uh, <laughs> uh, write the odd thing here and there. Yeah, See, if you're not, not a commentator, watching, you uh... just don't love wrestling as much as Alan. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not at all. Right. Uh, on that note, oh, I think we're gonna call it a day. Um, I realise we haven't exactly covered um, <clears throat> the the three days as we normally would, just kind of going from match to match and talking about everything, but. Uh, um, instead, we, we've had some uh, delightful insider information. So yes, I think that's worked about, out to about the better. menu at the menu at catering. Oh, the the curry was marvelous. Was I can't <laughs> I can't wait to try it myself. Yeah, uh, hopefully before. Um... Oh, I don't want to get morbid. <laughs> I will go to uh, sixteen carat at some point in my life. Hopefully, very very soon. So. Uh... Yeah, hope to join you there, Alan. Yes, I will. I will show you around lovely Oberhausen, Ali. <laughs> <laughs> lovely Oberhausen, can't wait. Let's see if we can get Rob together and make it into a road trip. Well, we keep mm. saying that for stuff, and uh, it's basically just Rev Pro at the moment. <laughs> That's the only thing that we can actually all turn up for at the same time. Right, uh, and on that note, uh, we're going to do some plugs, I guess, before we go. And uh, Ollie, you got anything to, to sell? Uh, well, you can follow me on Twitter, at another Ollie. Um, I reviewed night one of 16 Carat for Voices of Wrestling. Um, 
and continue to write about it and all sorts of other Euro goodness for the F4W weekly newsletter. Do you want to bang up Java that as well? I mean, <laughs> cheers. And that's all my plugs. Oh, there's a really big echo there. Um, my plugs are, um, let me see, Fighting Spirit Magazine, which I just mentioned. Uh, Brian Elliott, the man in charge, the kingpin of FSM, uh, has a lovely magazine which he publishes every month, which this is the Brit Restaurant Table, so if you're listening to us in the UK, you can go to your local, what's the place you guys sell magazines in the UK? WH Smith's, is that WH it? WH Smith's, yeah, yes. That's the one. You, you can go there, you can pick up Fighting Spirit off the shelf. If you're in over here in Ireland, you can pick it up at Eason's. Um, if not, you can get the subscription on fightingspiritmagazine.co.uk or is it .com? I should really know that. One or the other. Um, <laughs> FSM editor on Twitter. Uh, all the info for that you'll find easily. And uh, yeah, I've got an article which I'm super excited about people reading and really proud of, which is coming out next month or this month, I guess. April. Well, no, we're not in April yet. Well, in a, in a week or two, it will be out. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, celebrating the 10-year anniversary of something. And I won't tell you what that is. <laughs> um, but uh, we've got that. Um, we've got Figure 4, um, F4W Online, WrestlingObserver.com. I host the DKP radio show. Um, I'm in the midst of doing a ridiculous amount of shows right now as I get ready <laughs> to head away for Japan. The two shows with Justin and Amo very recently uh, the second of which will probably be up before this show is up, I'm guessing, because from what you described to me of what Rob has to do to edit the show together, I think I'll have my upload done before he does. <laughs> and um, uh, then I have uh, another show with Mike Falcone and uh, Travis McNeil, which I put up a couple days ago previewing all the non-WrestleMania WrestleMania stuff over uh, Mania Weekend in Dallas. And before I go to Japan, there will be a Japan trip preview with myself and Joey Bay, who's going as well. He's coming from St. Louis. I'm coming from Dublin. We'll convene in Tokyo, and we will see a smorgasbord of fantastic wrestling in the capital of Japan. It should be the best time of my life. I can't wait for it. <laughs> and yeah, follow me on Twitter at Alan4L, and you will be just thinking I'm a dick for the amount I talk about that as I probably am so jealous <laughs> that, that was fantastic um, yeah really jealous about the Japan trip I went uh, I can't what year it was now 2006 and I saw Noah in 2006 Noah is a good uh, hey you could be yeah it's, there was there was a very good card um, was it Corkin or uh, no it was the Budokan oh you prick <laughs> 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 um, I, I'm actually staying. One of my hotels is near Budokan Hall, so I kind of just want to rock up to it and be like, just go and have a look at it. Yeah, it'd be like when I was in New York for um, the Jersey Mania. There was the only thing happening in the garden was uh, the Hall of Fame. I, I never go to the Hall of Fame, but I just rocked up to Madison Square Garden. I was like, there it is, there she is, <laughs> looking well, <laughs> Madison Square Garden. But uh, yeah, that'll be the same thing with Budokan, I guess. It is a lovely building. From the outside, anyway. The inside, all buildings are the same inside, basically. Well, that's not true. That's a, that's a total lie. <laughs> all buildings are the same inside. Oh, I'm furious. Just edit that off, Rob. <laughs> the, the Rev Pro Your Call show and the Rev Pro Reading show, exactly the same inside. We, we did a, a lengthy piece on, on how different they were. I yes, have I know. no idea where that came from. Um, yes, um, 
plugs. I am available on Twitter at Arnold Furious. I've written something for Voices of Wrestling, which is the Night Two of uh, Sixteen Carat. Uh, I've reviewed that, and I've written something that I'm not allowed to talk about yet. So um, I'll have to mention that at some other point. Mysterious, in time. Me, mysterious me, plug. Me and Arnold both blue balling the listeners. Ali, what are you? What are you going <laughs> to blue ball them on? You can't say the baby face here. We got to turn your heel. Uh, with what, what am I doing with my life? Um, <laughs> just, I really I'll say you, you know what Joe Lanza's big secret scoop is. Oh he, yeah, yeah. Me, me and Joe Lanza are constantly sending each other DMs about this super secret thing, and it's sh- it, the answer will shock you. <laughs> Click here. I legitimately don't know what it is, um, so, yeah. but Ollie already knows, and he won't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Heel. Um, it's a and on beep, that note, beep. <laughs> on wow. that note, that, <laughs> that is it. That is uh, that is it for the uh, Brit Restaurant Table number fourteen. Uh, thank you, Ollie. Cheers. And thank you, Alan. You've been a very entertaining guest. I'm sorry for hijacking the show and, and <laughs> no, so it's, much. It's been I, fine. <laughs> I had a blast. Thank you guys for having me. That's quite all right. Uh, so until next time, good evening. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery.